When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. To Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip No. Your chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. It's nice to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Chip, how you doing this morning, man? Doing well. How are you doing, Casey? I'm doing good, man. I get Memorial Day weekend coming up, and it's one of those, it's a, it's a kickoff to the summer, but it's also one of those somber holidays that mean a lot more than just barbecuing. So, to, you know, God bless all the all the fallen troops out there and, and their families that have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom here in the United States. So, I appreciate that, and I'll make sure that. One of those things I want to make sure I throw out there when this this time of year comes around. Yeah, absolutely. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. Right on. All right, Chip. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the market. So weather is starting to creep in to the conversation. Um, good, bad, and otherwise. I mean, I've heard, oh, it's going to be the best crop ever because look at all the rain we're getting. But then I talked to guys out in your neck of the woods, and sounds like it's a little bit drier than they would expect it to be right now. You look at some drop map situations, and it's reflecting that a little bit. My neck of the woods out here in the extreme western um, Corn Belt area is uh, we've got plenty of water. We've got, I'll say we've probably gotten somewhere between six and 10 inches of rain, depending on where you're at over the last uh, three weeks. So we've got plenty of water out this way. Um, you start taking a look at the other parts of the country um, in the eastern side, and it's, it, it's getting to be a bigger and bigger circle of, of dryness out there, Chip. So I guess as you're looking at this kind of stuff and looking at drop maps that people are talking with, what are you hearing and, and kind of what's your response to some of the stuff you're seeing? 
Yeah, you know, between where you're at, uh, Casey, in western Nebraska, and where I'm at in central Illinois, is seems to be the the trouble spot right now. Um, you know, it's it's dry, and it's hard to talk up you know yield losses at the end of May. Here, we're about to turn the calendar to June here next week, um, but it is a little bit concerning, and we need some rain, right? And, and it has stopped the market from going lower and put a little bit of a bounce uh, in these markets. We'll see if it holds going into the close here ahead of a long weekend. Usually it's the the July 4th holiday that, you know, kind of turns the market one way or the other as far as, um, you know, the big weekend and uncertainty about, you know, is it going to rain? Is it not going to rain? But it's a little bit early this year. We might, I'm not saying we won't have that for July 4th, but we certainly have that uh, over this long Memorial Day weekend. Um, not much rain in the forecast right now. We're going to need some better rainfall in June. And so once you come back in here Monday night and Tuesday morning after the long holiday, the market's going to be really highly sensitive to any changes in those extended weather models. We need to get some rain out there. It's probably not hurting yield yet, but in two to three weeks, if we don't get uh, some better rainfall, uh, it might start taking the top end off of yield. So, you know, we talked a little bit on previous uh, podcasts here that, you know, that May crop report really set the bar pretty high at 181.5 bushel national average corn yield and 52 on beans. And the market responded to that like it was almost a certainty or already, um, you know, realized. Right. And and the funds got short. You had a massive amount of selling. And I don't think these debt talks have helped out uh, the commodity markets uh, either. Uh, some some selling because of that and the uncertainty around whether we're going to get a debt deal or not. Um, and, and the markets kind of forgot, like, hey, it's only May. Uh, we just planted this crop. In fact, uh, up in North Dakota. We're not even sure if they're going to get all the acres planted. We're past their first or their uh, last planting date now. And we might have gone a little too far, too fast to the downside. And, and so point being with this all, as you come out of Memorial Day weekend here next week, the weather forecast is going to drive a tremendous amount of volatility. Um, if there's no rain in the two-week forecast that takes you out to about mid-June at that point, you're going to start seeing the market come out of some shorts put a little bit of risk premium back in the market and, you know, rally uh, up into some higher resistance levels. If you come back in, it's a 180 degree turn and, oh, we were wrong. It's going to rain everywhere. Then we've got, um, you know, some, some downside to come. So there's going to be a lot of volatility potentially setting up for next week. It's all about rainfall. Uh, temperatures have been fairly cool. They are going to warm up a little bit next week, but we've been pretty benign on temperatures actually pretty cool in some areas in, in parts of uh, northern Wisconsin and Michigan, um, there was a frost overnight, um, yeah. like a hard frost. So that might have right. actually nipped a few acres of uh, newly planted corn and beans up there. Uh, so it, it's not so much temperature at this point. It's more about we are pretty dry. And, and you know, you get parts of eastern Nebraska, western Iowa, central Iowa, uh, parts of Illinois here, Missouri included. Um, they just didn't come into spring with a lot of subsoil moisture. They've had a couple rains here and there ahead of planting, but we're, we're way below average as far as uh, rainfall goes. So it's going to start being critical. It's going to start driving a lot of volatility in our grain and our corn and bean markets, corn specifically, you throw in there again, you might be uh, going to this as your next question. Now there's some talk. Uh, I'm just glancing at, uh, at the markets here. There's some talk, uh, overnight that rushes back you know, playing hardball in the Black Sea Agreement, and they're not uh, letting ships pass. And so that's thrown in ahead of this long weekend as well. And that's always uh, 
you know, it seems like it changes every 12 hours on the, the Black Sea agreement. But uh, there, there's a lot of questions out there that could drive a lot of volatility in the next few weeks as we get ready to turn the calendar to June here. Yeah, a lot of moving parts out there. And, and you there's something new to get thrown into the uh, the old uh, soup bowl there about every every 12 hours, like you talked about. It's something brand new. Let's jump over and talk a little, spend a little time over here on the protein side of the, of the market. So you got two dynamics working here. You've got the pork cut outside that is just deteriorating really fast. You know, you start looking at what the, the prices <clears> of the pork cutout look like. But then you flip over onto the cattle side. And if uh, the price of beef wasn't expensive enough when you go to the store, it must not be because packers can't seem to buy enough, um, enough stuff out there. So I guess looking at those two dynamics, Chip, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's really crazy. Uh, it, it really is. You know, um, it, it's just mind-boggling at times. You, you, the fear for six to nine months has been: Can the consumer hold up in, in these high beef prices? Can the consumer stay in there and, and see the demand that we've seen? So far, it looks like they are. Now, the argument—I'm just reading the argument on the other side of this. You know, beef and or pork and pork cut out just imploding. So, so. Casey, a lot of this weakness in the in the pork market and the hog market, I, I think, relates to a couple things. Um, you know, we we had a cold storage report a couple of days ago. It showed a, a massive amount of certain different cuts of of pork, and and it kind of got the market thinking, "Oh my God, there's there's not enough consumer demand out there on the pork side." Well, that doesn't jibe to me, right? If if consumers are out here and they're still buying high priced beef, you can't have an argument that pork, which is historically underpriced relative to beef, I mean, it's never been this cheap relative to beef, that there's not enough demand there. So I think at the heart of it, what it comes from is fears around this Proposition 12 um, that ruling that's going to go into effect, I believe, July 2nd. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this before, that some of these progressive uh, left-wing um, proposals that you think you know, there's no way that's going to pad. There's no way they're going to yeah. implement that. It doesn't even, it's beyond the scope of rationality. And yet it does. And I think it yeah. took the industry by surprise. It took me by surprise. I don't know why it continues to surprise me, right? I, I think when they start throwing these proposals up, we ought to get real serious about um, adjusting to the fact that we've got some really stupid stuff coming down the pipe here. Yeah. Soapbox, soapbox aside, I think the hog market. Uh, really has some problems here because you've got a massive demand base out of California, the massive amount of hogs from outside of California that get shipped in there, and it's not compliant to this Proposition 12. So the market says, well, what's going to happen? They seem serious. They're not going to take the pork. What are we going to do with all the pork that California isn't going to eat because it's not compliant with Proposition 12? And the market has taken a, a shoot first uh, and ask questions later attitude. And uh, unfortunately, it's just been absolutely brutal yeah. uh, on the cutout, on cash values. We're seeing liquidation. We're seeing massive losses. Uh, one producer told me it's it's losses akin to, um, uh, what was it, 2008 when we had single-digit hogs and um, literally no market for them. Now, it's a different price level, but due to inflation and where we're at, you know, high high cost of meal, high cost of corn, higher price of pork. Than when we saw that debacle, but producers are losing a ton of money right now, and it's very unfortunate. Uh, it's kind of disheartening. I do think technically you've stretched this market so far to the downside, could rally six or eight dollars at the drop of a hat, and still just 
kind of be in a, a normal correction in a big downtrend, but uh, it is really uh, a head scratcher. I think it's something that the beef market needs to watch pretty closely, right? Because yeah. it is a competitive protein and it's getting cheaper by the day. And so eventually beef prices will find themselves at a level, a high enough level that it will start rationing demand. And we really have to watch for that. But right now, um, beef and, and the cattle market, just really a strong, strong position right now. And they're up, you know, so far again today, uh, feeders are down just a little bit. They need to correct relative to fats, uh, corns up here with the uncertainty of the dry weather forecast ahead of the weekend. That's causing some corrections in the feeder market, but it just seems like cash cattle continue to go higher and the numbers aren't out there. And they're probably going to shrink as we get into June, July, and August. So um, this thing is a crazy dynamic between pork and beef right now. Something will give along the way. But right now, as many problems as you have on the pork side and an abundance of uh, supply out there, it's the exact opposite on the beef side. Yeah. And the thing about the Prop 12 deal, I'll just kind of pull it up, kind of ran through it real quick. It's, it's chickens and... Um, Hogs, confinement-based stuff, uh, veal for calves for veal, and those kind of things. It, it could very easily be one of those things on the on the uh, on the beast side too, where all of a sudden, oh, okay, well, you can't have stuff that was not grass-fed, you know, and it has been in a feedlot or something like that, you know, some kind of language that comes into that. It's going into California again, that opens up a whole a whole string of things there too. So you're you're right; these kind of things when they pop up. They need to be paid really close attention to, and people really need to educate themselves on what this is because this is a this is a big deal that changes, um, you know. Because if it happens there, it'll, it'll start happening in other places, and slowly but surely, you know, you start really changing the dynamics of the way these markets operate and work in the in the long term and in a very short term thing make a very long term uh, lasting uh, impact on what we see happen in these markets. For sure, <clears throat> and what you're going to do is you're going to drive. I mean, it sends the wrong signal, right? It's the opposite of free market. Take a step backwards from that. These policies, if you just slow down and take a look at what's going on in lots of different sectors of of uh, the world right now and, and just general culture, this is a 50, 60-year general plan of attack that they've now seems like they're force-feeding it to the world out of a fire hose. And I think COVID kind of, uh, threw some diesel on the fire already. And people I think are slowly waking up to the fact, um, that some of these things are bad and you could argue borderline, um, downright evil. Um, and I don't want to be too extreme on this thing, but it's anti-free market. You have to have a market that works freely. So now what you're going to do is you're going to force a bunch of hawk producers out of the market because you're going to go broke because of this uh, rule. And then when people want all this pork, even in normal places that are somewhat still rational, um, pork's going to be a higher price because you're going to reduce the supply of it because you're going to throw all these people uh, into liquidation and out of the market, out of the industry. They're going to go bankrupt. They're going to retire. They're going to be done with it. And we're in result long-term is going to be much higher pork prices. Um, and it, like you said, it could happen 
across the board in ag. And I'd be surprised if it doesn't. Just look what happened. Where was it in Belgium recently? You yeah. know, you just get some uh, a crazy enough majority to say, well, we're just going to cut, uh, you know, we're going to ban fertilizer and nitrogen usage um, uh, or cut it by two thirds. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens then? What do you think will happen to corn prices and wheat prices when they start doing that in the United States? Yeah. Um, it just, I'm, I'm sorry, Casey, I'm ahead of Memorial Day, I got, I got a lot of caffeine in me. I'm getting ready for, yep. uh, the, you know, a relaxing weekend. And uh, I'm on my soapbox here. So hopefully uh, we don't, we don't get shadow banned on Twitter or something. Oh, if I get shadow banned, man, that means I've made it. So I'm looking forward to it. But they have, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, these, these, as these things come down the pike, there are, they're well intentioned. But at the end of the day, the backlash that comes, I've, the old adage is, you know, uh, what's that thing? The, the most scary word someone can say to you is, you know, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. It's not, <laughs> it's not. I've, there's not a government program out there that that's worked the way it's supposed to have worked ever. I don't even know if I agree with you that it's well-intentioned. Um, it, I mean, I go back to, I, I, I watched this train wreck in slow motion. So I think it was France had this plan. They're going to, which I don't understand the thing against nuclear. It's the cleanest, safest form of energy. Right. Uh, right. But suddenly it's gotten a bad name. So you've got this, plan out of france we're going to do away with all our uh, you know nuclear plants uh, we're going to phase them out uh we're doing away with coal um we got all this you know supply coming from uh, russia and ukraine and then russia invades ukraine and france follows through with deactivating their last two nuclear power plants and then scratch their head when they can't afford energy and to heat their homes and they had a mild winter if they would have had a bad winter people would have froze to death and it's just beyond rational it, 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 yet it happens again and again and again and again and people aren't uh pardon my french pissed off enough yet to to vote that crap out and uh hopefully that will come sooner rather than later and our kids well, and grandkids what, can what comes uh, from that then yeah. you had the you had the same thing like california did the same thing you know oh well we're going to give everybody because prices are so high right now and for various reasons various market driven reasons and all kinds of regulations and everything else on top of that now we're going to give you uh, an extra amount of money on top of that to, to offset the the cost that you have, which just drives the cost up even higher because now there's more money out there so people are going to go spend it so there's more supply and demand and and, and more demand for the supply that's out there. And it's just, it's like a, it's not, it's like one-on-one shit. You know what I mean? Over and over. Yeah. It's anti-free market. It, it's, it's socialist communist, um, thought it doesn't work. It, we've got a hundred plus years of lots of examples as to why it doesn't work. It doesn't work because it sends the wrong message to the market for a market to work. It has to be free. It has to react to supply and demand. And when the government steps in and starts limiting the supply, or or regulating demand or lack thereof, then markets get out of whack and p- only problems happen as a result. So, I guess if there's one thing I learned from from very early on, probably because my first job was working at the border trade on the floor for a member, I saw it every day. Market ha- it will it will be ugly, right? If you have a natural oversupply 
uh, the market will get cheap enough to slow production and increase demand and vice versa. If you have a shortage, as in beef, eventually we're going to get high enough. It will slow demand down. The market works if you let it. But if you start messing with it, mostly through government intervention and stupid policies, then just untold bad problems happen. And uh, eventually it'll result in people going hungry and freezing to death. But uh, unfortunately, that might be what it takes to get people's uh, brain in a position to vote this crap out. Yep, I agree with you, Chip. All right, probably a good place to stop right there. Let's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I might have just got banned. For Memorial Day, Casey, you might need to get on the horn and find some more potential guests. I think they might not let me on anymore. I think we did a good one there. So, all right, man, if folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at uh, a Blue Reef, what's the best way to do that? Oh, man, do I really want to get my contact information after that? No, uh, uh, you can go ahead and, and, and reach us. Love to talk to producers about their risk management plan and how to execute that better and how to develop those plans. Our number uh, at the, our main office is 309-550-7213. Don't hesitate to call me. Love to chat with you. Right on, man. Chip, appreciate you being on. Have a good weekend. Hey, thanks a lot. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. And check out the video version of this over on the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Check it out there. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related. And uh, check out the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. For more information about that and what's out there, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron Podcast.com, and I'll make sure to get back to you ASAP. So, with that, Remember what this weekend's about, folks. It's more than just barbecues. So with that, I'm Casey Seaman with Chip Nellinger. Smooth smile, folks. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century.